0: What's up, y'all? Kevin Wagstaff, another episode of Spector Spotlight. Today, we have Tim Wojnar again, three times he's been on the pod. Now, uh, this being his third, but he always brings it and he's uh, he brings a vision and he brings his updated thoughts from IEB and he's evolving his way of running and owning and and leading his company over the years. And it's been beautiful to see. So I'm always happy to have him back on, but he uh, he talks a lot about um knowing your market knowing your numbers um, we talk about growing and leading a team um, we talk about how important vision is um, we can't talk about that enough frankly um, and then he talks about little hacks and tactics that he uses um to kind of keep him on track growing his company to get where he wants it to go so i hope you enjoy and uh, again thank you all for listening can't tell you how much I appreciate um, the notes of encouragement and uh, even guest recommendations. You're always welcome to email um, us someone that you think should be on or someone that you think could add a ton of value. So thank you all for listening. I enjoy doing these and I uh, hope you enjoy it. Right. Tim, you are the first three-time guest uh, on the podcast. So welcome back. What's up, man?
1: I, I love it. Nothing much. How, uh, how are the holidays? Good good too much turkey <laughs> so you we it, you yeah, said you
0: at your parents your folks place
1: yeah well we actually went to go to my my parents and then her aunt's place so we had to do two dinners which is is very daunting.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it le- leaves me like uh you know very sluggish for a couple of days but no we i survived it and uh that was good you know did some christmas stuff with the kids after uh decorating and, and whatnot some some good times and well, you know, slower around the office. So it's, you always try to take care, take, you know, take advantage of those opportunities uh, when yeah. they come along. What is All the
0: slowdown like? Usually I see the volume like across our network, but is it like, does it go to a complete stop on like the day before Thanksgiving or is there like trickles of business?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we didn't book anything Friday. So like Wednesday, we had some bookings for the, the, the following week, Got you it. Know, Friday, Saturday, we didn't really have anything. And then we booked a couple appointments on Sunday. So things still roll in and realtors are still wanting to push things along yep. <laughs> as fast as they can, as you know. So um, yeah, I, I think it depends on the year. So, you know, it depends on what the market's like and, and whatnot. Other, other, other years, it's been completely dead this year. We, we still we still keep the we're still keeping rolling, so that's always a good sign, yeah. Um, too, and we got, you know, we're we're booking jobs for this week, um, and you know, we'll expect another little slowdown during Christmas. But last year December was one of our better months, um, and I don't know if that's because COVID or um, you know everything else going on. But it just like it, it's still kind of hard to kind of determine like what was was last year at blip or was that kind of, you know, just the, the investor market picking up? Cause we see a lot of multifamilies this time of year and a different inspector, um, investor inspections coming up, so.
0: Have you tried to dig into comps? Cause I feel like comps have gotten so blown up after the COVID year, like year over year, month over month. Like I remember last December too, everyone was just like, I'm busier than I've ever been. This is insane. And everyone expects the slowdown. Have you tried to make sense of the numbers or are you just saying, you know what, this is too hard to, to draw anything? We're
1: rich, actually in the process. I'm working with a, a real estate team that uh, we do a lot of business with and to kind of get the market share numbers mm-hmm. um, for the last two years. So we could kind of actually start plotting that off. Because yeah, you're right. Let's, you know, if you don't know like how many, you know, houses are being sold, you know, how do you know if you're really just being slow? or you're actually having a good month, but maybe you're having a good month, but you're just keeping pace with the rest of the market. Maybe the rest of the market's having this huge correction factor. And I wish I would start thinking about that last year because like everything was was all over the place. I, I know some, some markets start seeing like increases in April. Ours kind of kick, kicked in at the end of May last year and then it really skyrocketed. Um, and then it kind of went up and down a bunch <laughs> and December kind of ended strong. So I don't know if like, all the market just got pushed back because half of March and April were pretty much dead for us last year. And then right. we started seeing those trends too. But it's a great point. You really need to know your market metrics. And that's something that we're working on as we kind of progress and making sure, hey, when we're actually having these busy months, because um, some of our months right now, like October um, was actually our second busiest month of the year. And that's typically, it will slow down a little bit um during that time. So I have a feeling we're gaining market value, but unless you know your data, you you don't know anything, right?
0: So. let's dig into that because I, I don't was this inspired by the Aaron Guyton session at IEB? Oh, yeah, when you, yeah, were you in that one? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. And uh I think uh you know being IEB and just consuming everything that Aaron has, um there's just so much stuff to really get your get your head around. But yeah, market share. It's such a, such a big one. Um, And really, because, you know, knowing your numbers and coming from engineering background, I I totally appreciate that too. Just Mm -hmm. getting into your numbers and really knowing firmly, like where you're headed, where your profit is, you know, where your market share is. uh, Because, you know, if you're seeing trends in your market share increase up, then you have to start thinking about hiring inspectors right at that moment. Um, I feel like typically, you know, especially younger inspection companies, they hire way too late for for home inspectors. Mm. And you need to know your metrics in order to start um, saying, hey, do we need to start hiring, um, you know, for next year or for three months from now? Because when you realize you need another inspector, you know, you're at least three to six months out, depending on who you find, what their skill level is.
0: Can you break down like on a for those listening that are not in IEB, um, let's, let, let's let them in on the convo. If you could break down kind of the part of what Aaron was getting at in terms of even just understanding basic market share, what that would look like for, say, uh, a solo guy that's like, okay, well, how do I do that? What does that mean?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, first off, you need to kind of get your market's numbers. Um, and that really depends on your region, right? If you're in a big City area, you know what we're what we're doing is we're concentrating on Cook County, which is sh- Chicago and a decent part of the surrounding suburbs that uh, the suburbs that surround Chicago. Um, so you're taking the information from, you know, uh, if you have access to MLS or if you know a realtor who has access, or even you know, if you're just a sole inspector getting started, just get some sort of publication that might maybe publish publishes the information, um, because some information is better than nothing.
0: I think um, everyone knows a realtor that should be able to give them access. Yeah, That's the hope, yeah. right? Everyone's gotta know If you something. have a
1: friend or take them out to dinner, yeah, <laughs> you know, do, anything. do something just to get the information because it is important. And so let, let's just say, I'm just gonna keep the the math simple. So let's say in Cook County, there was 10,000 um, know, properties that went under contract. Okay. okay. And then for the year, for, for a month, for, a month. Okay. for a month. Yeah. So let's say August, there was 10,000 inspections and we did a hundred inspections in the month of August.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you divide a hundred by 10,000 and that gives you 1% market share. So that means you own 1% of your market. Now you, you want to do that on a monthly basis. And it's always going to be, you know, it's never going to be like, oh yeah, we're we're steady, you know, because there's different factors. But um, if you plot it enough over time, you should start to see it actually go upward, you know, versus mm-hmm. downward or stay steady. Um, if you start seeing it go downward, that means you're 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 losing market share. Um, and the reason that's important is like you might be steady in your business, but maybe the market is just really hot at that time. And the market being hot, eventually you're, you're losing ground. So when the market maybe adjusts later on, you're actually, you know, in the head going, going to get a dip um, in your overall inspections when the market adjusts eventually to that. Um, but same thing for you know, a larger company, you might have a dip one month. But then you look at the number, you actually gained market share because you took a larger percentage of those inspections. Mm. And this is where it comes, kind of comes important for like hiring. You know, a lot of, you know, business owners are looking like, oh, we didn't do as well last month. You know, we need to start, you know, getting to scarcity mode and, you know, cutting budget and doing all this. Whereas, you know, if you're starting to track those trends, you're like, well, I might actually need to start thinking about hiring someone right now and get that process going um, to hire. Because if we our market value, market, uh, you know, percentage rises, just think about when it's going to get busy next year, we're going to have too many jobs. Oh, yeah. Well. So it's really important to look at those numbers and, you know, Versus, like, yeah, everyone likes to look at revenue because it's money, right? <laughs> it's, okay, <laughs> we get all this money, you know, you know. So, you know, we're 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 trending right. But if you're, you know, if your market is is doing really well, that's gonna fall. So then you might hire someone based off that. And then when things dip down, then you're not gonna have enough enough to kind of feed that inspector. So
0: I think this is such a a simple calculation. I what percent of inspectors would you guess even do this on a monthly basis? One, oh. two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, not, I mean, I, I would just, I would say probably a lot of the, just the, the bigger inspection companies are starting to do, do this type of type of work, not the small small man job. And to be honest, it's just like you're balancing a lot of things and the one, you know, you're looking at it like the one last thing you're like, oh, I need to get, pull all these data and pull all this metrics and, you know, um, either hire someone to do it or spend, uh, you know, a Friday evening, crunching the numbers. I want to do that, but it's it's so important, especially if you want to grow. I um, mean, even if you're a, a, a solo uh, inspector shop, um, you know you want to know where, where you're kind of positioned because you also want to know, hey, am I starting to go down? Because that could spell spell issues uh, for you. I mean, as a solo inspector, you're probably gonna have you're probably going hit a cap, you know, of how many inspections you can actually do per the market, and you want to make sure that you're not losing market share because you get too busy you might start losing realtors because they need someone sooner so you want to have like the sooner you know that information the better yes. Um and and I, I know we're beating this
0: to death but like gosh there's there's probably no more important time to think about this when times are feeling at their best and interest rates next year have a high percent high chance of ticking up which could you know bring volume of Closings down or under contracts down, so it's like you got to know your numbers, especially if we contract even a little next year, right?
1: Yeah, and like when you when you see that contraction, that's gonna spell like people who aren't following the market, that's when they're gonna get hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. And where people who are prepared for that and see that their market's gaining, they're gonna actually use that to flip on the up and be like, we can capture more market now because yep. there's people who are who are getting out of the industry because didn't plan ahead.
0: So PSA, be prepared, know your numbers. This is a small way to start too. I, I, I love how approachable it is. Take one number, divide it by another.
1: Yeah. And you can never get too, like, you can never get too comfortable. You got to keep building your brand. You got to keep, you know, getting out there, getting out in front of realtors. Um, whether you want to grow past the one man shop or you're comfortable where you're at, like you always have to be networking because there's going to be turnover. There's going to be lots of things that change and if you just think hey i'm set right now i don't need to do any more marketing because i have all these realtors you're done you know things things happen you know realtors move out states we you know we've had that happen with you know you never know when there's going to be that one big thing that's going to hurt your business enough um where you get scrambling in in a down market so
0: yeah absolutely um all right well let's jump let's jump Back to the IEB conference because um, I know we we see each other there every you know six months now at this point because um, we wanted to just talk kind of personal growth goals but at a high level this past conference what was that a month ago um, yeah yeah it was
1: uh, almost a month ago yeah beginning of November so what
0: impact did it have on you what what did you come away thinking from that conference
1: I think my one big takeaway is embracing who I am as a leader, um, Hmm. and not changing who I am. So everyone has different personalities and realizing, you know, as business owners, um, sometimes we get afraid of, of causing too much turbulence (laughs) behind us. Right. Yes. (laughs) And we, you know, we, we, we want to push faster, but like, well, I don't want everyone to be pissed off behind me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're just leaving wreckage, wreckage (laughs) behind you.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to a certain extent, just it's just the balance of the team, and really understand the importance of a team around me. Because right now, I've been I'm rereading Traction. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Traction, the EOS. Yeah. So um, yeah, one of the things they talk about is you have your visionary, and then you have your integrator, right? And you kind of need both in an organization. The visionary is the really, really one who they may have 10 ideas a week and maybe one's just great, <laughs> but they're always trying to think of like the next thing, how to mm-hmm. kind of push the limits, how to go to the um, you know, next level. Whereas the integrator is really the, the person who's going to take that and integrate it into the company and actually make it reality um, and gain the little details right. Um, and just realizing how much of a visionary um, I am and tend to you know have all these good ideas I, I could do some integration but really my strength is in you know pushing the vision of the company forward um, and a lot of you know business owners I, I feel like they don't they they may be visionaries but they're afraid to kind of brace themselves because they're worried about pissing people off, honestly, behind them. Uh, but you, you need both, you know, you need the visionary to really drive the speedboat and you need the, the people behind them to kind of make sure that it's not gonna go off the cliff <laughs> type yeah. of deal and pull it. And just realizing that, you know, really it's just about embracing my true nature as a leader and uh, using my strengths Um, and finding people to pick up my limitations because everyone has limitations, whether we want to admit it or not. And, you know, really forming that strong leadership uh, for the company kind of going forward um, is going to be the kind of next big wave because I realize, you know, to get where we want to get, it's like, I'm going to have to start moving faster. I'm going to need people to kind of, you know, pick up and, uh, you know, kind of be working in my wake a little bit and integrating and really do it to get to the level of company that we want to be.
0: So what is, so one is the team currently set up today with that in place? Is it something you're actively now saying, okay, I know what I'm looking for to kind of work with me.
1: Yeah. We're, we're doing a lot of evaluations on that. Like, okay, where, you know, the the other thing with traction is talks about, you know, right seat, right person, Mm -hmm. you know, and making sure that people are in the right seat. So, you know, we're doing some stuff with the pivot ready team system um, to gain some, um, you know, taking some assessments about, you know, what kind of motivates each individual, what kind of role fits each individual and learning to play to each individual strengths, you know, versus focusing on weaknesses, yeah. making sure that the right people are on those right seats. So it's it's evolving. Um, you know, we start we were starting to have a structure with, you know, operations, growth, and services too, but that's gonna be the the really big thing is solidifying that group and really how we operate as a leadership team going forward. because um, that's what's gonna separate, you know, a mid mid-sized company from a, a stronger company is really everything starting to go through the leadership team yes, in some direction versus everything going through. The owner. <laughs> exactly. owner where you know the owner and that role is more going to be you know accountability for the leadership team and then also visioning was the company where's the next step the company's taking
0: yeah got to have those a players around you um to take it to the next level for those that are are wondering what like embracing you know your your strengths and who you are as a leader what does it look like when you're not doing that like what Cause I, I guarantee there's a lot of inspectors and companies that don't even know how much they're not leaning into to leading their company and having a vision. So like, what does that look and feel like when someone is not doing that?
1: I mean, I think, I think you feel de-energized. Mm. I think just. Cause you
0: know, you're on the treadmill. You're, Cause you're, just you're on running. the treadmill.
1: Like and I, and I've noticed that too. And, and not saying that like, even after the conference, I still notice myself trying to get on the treadmill <laughs> or trying, <laughs> we, yeah. trying to force different things. Too, we can't but.
0: wait to get home and get back on the busy, the, the plain office or being on, you know, fake busy.
1: Yeah, and like everyone has different, you know, it's it's just not like owners of companies. They don't necessarily have to be as pure of a visionary, but when they're not focusing on the things that really in their strength, you know, you will notice. Like, you're not as happy, you don't have as much energy. Mm. Um, and you're almost trying to, like, fake it a little bit, right? Yeah, you
0: just know? push through, you know, soldier up, yeah. whatever, you know.
1: Yeah, because it's almost like, well, if I can't do this, how can I expect someone else to do this? And that, right. that's that's not really the attitude to like, you need a team around you, you know, everyone, you need strengths because you are, you know, you're not just bringing in a team of, you know, Three other people on your leadership team to help you. It's not just you know increasing your strength by three times; it's increasing it by thirty times because mm-hmm. you're really honing on every, each individual strength and how they kind of work together within the team and make decisions. So you know, just the, like think about where you are bottlenecking your your company, right? And usually when you're where you're bottlenecking, that's because you're trying to fake a team make <laughs> with something that is either you don't, you don't feel comfortable with, you just hate doing, and it, it has, you know, there's been things where I'm just like, why has this been on my to-do list for four months? And it's realize,
0: clearly well, not something not, you want to do.
1: It's yeah, It's something I don't want to do. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't drive me forward. But what if, if you find those people where those are the things that they want to do, you know, those are the things that they want to focus on. And really now you're covering, you know, you're covering the blind side. You're covering your blind side by bringing in people who are going to protect you and cover your limitations. So you could really focus on, you know, driving down the field.
0: What are some of those tasks that for you that uh, I, I know I have some, what are some of those things where you're just like, <laughs> I never get around to doing this?
1: Um, ordering business cards for the inspectors was a big <laughs> one. <whole thing. Yeah.
0: laughs> just, just a logistical task. Yeah.
1: And just like, I'm just like, what, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just like, okay, why am I taking... You forever know, forever to do this. Forever to do this versus just be like, "Hey, who wants to do this?" <laughs> or who wishes this order? Or if we could find someone internally, like pay a graphic designer, a hey, you know, match all this stuff up and whatnot, pay the couple hundred extra hundred dollars just to have it, you know, take it off the plate. Um, and a lot of times you, you get like, "Oh, why well, it's like, oh, I shouldn't pay that couple extra hundred dollars," but how much mental energy every week that just being on your to-do list (laughs) is that costing you?
0: And that's what we can't measure, right? The mental tax, the energy that you think, you know, spend thinking about that. And that's why it happens because we can't measure it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of just like having like, a piece of garbage on the floor that you just like keep staying there. And every time you pass by, like I should pick up that piece of garbage, but you don't, you know.
0: But you thought it just, about it. You spent some units of energy thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like
1: it's 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 in the corner. It's such a hard spot to get, but you know, that's really just like, like it stays with you. Like everything stays with you. Um you know whether you know if it's an item that you're like you think you should be doing um I think getting stuff done is another good book. Um, he talks about, you know, when you're like, when you add a task in, inside your, in your, in your brain, it will automatically just keep reiterating itself. Like I need to do this task now. If you don't do that task now, it's going to cause you stress <laughs> until that task is every done.
0: day. Sometimes yeah. that, that's, what's crazy.
1: Yeah. Unless you write it down or you get it done and, or you delegate it. Um, You know, as as a as a owner or as a leader, you know, starting to delegate and just realizing, because a lot of times when you're not doing those tasks, that's that's a definite signal that that's something not you know within your wheelhouse. That's not a strength of yours. And just looking at like who else on the team could do this. If it's not someone else on the team, it's like, can we outsource it? At the end of the day,
0: I love that. Write it down, do it, or delegate it. I just wrote that down. That might be the (laughs) name of the episode. so on the personal growth front, we go. We can go a couple of different ways here. You tell me what's interesting to you because I think you mentioned hiring. You mentioned the average company hires way too late out of fear of the dynamic in our industry is that inspections are going to dry up and you're going to have people without inspections to do. At least in the last five years, I've seen it hold companies back from being double as the size they are out of fear of the good times ending. How do you think about that I'll just leave it at that. How do you think about hiring while still not overextending? It's the hardest decision I think in our industry.
1: Well, I think everyone looks, and this was myself included, everyone looks at the long term, right? Like what is, you know, so for instance, you know, we're, we're looking to hire two two new trainees to get ready for the spring next year. Okay. Um, and that to be honest scares me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it
1: scares me a lot because it's just like, okay, we've never hit those levels. But to you know, when first off, having a clear vision, right? Mm. So, what is your clear vision for the next year? And I realized in order to hit our vision, we need to have two more inspectors ready by, by springtime. Yeah. Like that, that's all you know, that's what we have to do. Um, so really having a good plan and and just not being like okay, well, we're adding people just because we need it, but just like, well, how are you going to get there, right? Because now it's not, okay, we're hiring two people, and okay, we we hired these trainees, and we're we're working them now. It's like, okay, what do we need to do from a growth aspect Mm -hmm. to get there? What do we need to do from an operations standpoint to get there? What do we need to do from a services and really looking at as a whole and really brainstorming all that? Because there's a lot of different ways to slice it, like, you know, Bring on more ancillary services, you know, increase your ancillary services along with your inspections. You know, one of the things that really helped us this year is we were doing a lot of subcontracting, a lot of sewer scopes and, and radon. Now we bring those brought those in-house, mm. you know. And now we could really double down on selling those and also hitting up agents, you know, and really focusing on agents that want to sell those services. I mean, you know, <laughs> almost for us because they they believe, you know. That their clients need those services, um, and you know always are recommending them. So those are the things that start you know moving um, your bottom you know, your bottom line. Um, you know just getting creative because I mean there's several different ways to make more revenue. One is increase your price per inspection, and the other one is to bring in more inspections. Um, so how do you balance those two and kind of get creative outside? So now that we know, hey, this is our revenue goal, and this is about how many inspections we wanna do, you know, then you start thinking about like, okay, what what do we wanna take per inspection? Like, what's the pricing per inspection that we wanna start bringing in and playing with all those numbers, increasing your pricing, all that. So having that clear vision. So, you know, if you're seeing all the numbers, like, oh yeah, we, we should bring in two, two more inspectors and get them trained up. But if you do nothing in the meantime, <laughs> But that that's kind of on you you know you can't just expect hey i'm gonna like grow the business and then oh now i have enough you know to grow the business but maybe you you grew the business too slow and reels stopped using you because you weren't you know your guys mm. weren't available for 10 days
0: and you don't notice that when you're on the treadmill that's the that's the that's yeah. full circle is like most inspectors don't know when an agent a medium producer fades away
1: yeah and then, I mean, on, on top of that, you know, when the other thing is it's a, like really when you're hiring someone, it's a temporary decision, right? Everything is, you know, so, you know, we, we bring on the two trainees and, you know, everything, you know, we do everything we can, you know, unfortunately, if we don't have enough work, they get a free inspector
0: training Yeah,
1: and, you know, or have a good head start for the business. And, you know, we, we lose some money, but that's, you know, there's always the risk that you you take, you know, you have like, if you, if you, there's always going to be those times where you you risk it and you're not able to make it, you know, I think that's just natural in business. And then at that point you have to make those, those tough decisions too. But
0: but it's a couple months of risk as opposed to, I think every business owner thinks of it as an annual or like what you're paying someone in 12 months. You're not guaranteeing anyone 12 months of employment. We have to, I think business owners have to think of it more clinically and say, you know what, this is like a two or three month experiment to see if this person is fit for our business or if the yeah, work's there, you know.
1: And what if an inspector leaves? Right. Too?
0: Got a plan like, for churn.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like we, we actually brought in three trainees last year, um, mostly because just like, well, from what we've experienced in the past, the average is one of them wasn't gonna go make it. And that's actually what happened. You know, you try to hire, well, you, you do all the interviews, but until you actually get people and get their tendencies out there, um, you know, you try to get smarter and smarter about making those right choices, but there's always things there in your blind spot that you can't see. So really knowing knowing those numbers, because I've, I've talked to other inspection companies and they lose the inspector during the busy season, just how much, you know, of that, um, you know, they're losing that revenue that they could have been gaining because now they're too busy and they don't have anyone, they can't get anyone out there for another three months.
0: Always got to um, be ahead of the game, not behind. Um, yeah. I want to circle back to the sell, like you mentioned selling to agents or promoting your ancillary services to agents because they help do the upsell. I think that's, I want to zoom in on that because I think that's a really important um, function that most inspectors don't even think about. They think it's all on them. They set up their actions. They, they do whatever to solely sell those, um, ancillaries. How do you guys go about kind of, uh, educating agents to help out with that?
1: Yeah. So I've been focusing, we've been focusing a lot of our efforts on, on top, you know, producing teams in the city, and I've been doing a lot of like lunch and learn presentations. Mm. And I'm always talking about these ancillary services Yep. Um, too. There's a common misconception with radon in Chicago where there's no radon in the city itself mm-hmm. and it's all in the suburbs, which is that, which is false. I mean, it's like 10%, but still, it's still 10%. That's right. Because some of the areas around the city are like 80%, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. always getting radon. Um, but I've had a lot, a lot of agents who are like, telling the clients, Oh, don't get radon in the city. And I, you know, I'm just upfront with them. Like, why would you tell someone not to get radon <laughs> um, and get that risk put on you? Because if there is that 10% chance and they do come out and someone gets cancer, who's going to be, who are they going to come after? For right. That?
0: That's big so, liability, big liability. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot of like, and a lot of realtors still talk about, you know, Oh, well there, there's no, no right on the city and they probably heard that from another realtor <laughs> you know another realtor so it's it's about correcting those misconceptions and then like for sewer the like in the city it's you know it's a slam dunk and we've had realtors like our number one callback is for you know water coming back through the sewer line and a lot of times you know most of the times they didn't get a sewer scope done oh. um so you know just giving them hey this is a major expense if there is something wrong, you know, they're going to call you back, <laughs> you know? So it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's, there was a case where we did new construction, um, realtor, like I, I won't have even thought of doing new construction, um, for a condo building, but the, the previous, the, the buyer was moving from Phoenix. They had a sewer issue. And when our guys stuck down, they, they routed some things wrong. It was a 20 grand fix. Ooh to have the suit. <laughs> I just tell them stories like that. And it starts, you know, it, it sells them and it helps them sell to their clients because ultimately the realtors are going to be, the, they're going to, we're going to try to sell a service and then they're going to go back to the realtor. Right. Right. For that. So really you need to start selling your ancillary services to the realtors and help them understand why it's important that they do so.
0: Yeah. And being assertive with it. I think owning it and letting them know like, Hey, don't as an agent, don't try to be the hero. This ain't the time to be the hero and save, act like you're saving the client 150 bucks. It's not the time to do it. And I think there's, hopefully we can help inspectors here with some language of how to do that. But I think you're a good example of how lunch and learns perfect time to do that.
1: Yeah. And they they eat this stuff up, you know, it's, it's actually very surprising. And I've, you know, for a lot of the top agencies in Chicago, just how much like some of the, these guys are still using inspectors, they're there forty-five minutes to an hour, mm. and they haven't had that type of education. So just don't assume that since they're a seasoned agent that they know this, because they've probably heard a lot of stuff secondhand or haven't had an inspector come in. So that's a great point. Yeah. So and I mean so, some of it, like some reasons you you understand why they're using the cheap guy because <laughs> they're buying, but there's a lot of good top you know, producing agents who really want what's best for the client. And it's about educating. like a lot of these ancillary services, like they haven't been as round as, as much as home inspections. So agents are still learning about them and learning, you know, when, when they should schedule them too. And they want to know that information. The good agents want to know that information.
0: I think the key you mentioned is you put, you bring numbers and a story like storytelling, right. It's how we've evolved, you know, as a, as a culture and a society storytelling. So if you tell a story with some numbers attached to it, it sticks, I think, a little more than just, you should get a sewer scope.
1: Yeah. And you also, just by talking to agents, they might have their own stories. True. Too That you kind of like, so if you're talking to a team and someone's like, oh yeah, that's like that one time, you know, and that's even better. <laughs> so yes. like, okay, you just keep talking because you're, you're selling this selling this for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, awesome. Um, another thing I wanted to circle back to, you mentioned, you can't grow without a vision of where you're going, which is more of a top-down kind of way of thinking about it of like, you have a vision and a goal, and then you back into it with the numbers, as opposed to, I think the average company is like, oh, we're busy, we should hire. And then they don't have any targets. They don't have any metrics behind it. Um, I don't know if there's additional context you wanted to add to that or not, but I think it's just, you're starting with the end in mind, as opposed to Uh, we feel stressed, we feel busy, we should hire because that's what Mike and I used to do. We used to be like, oh, we're busy, support's busy, let's hire as opposed to what's our goal and then let's hire to get to the goal.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, home inspectors, you know, for like new construction, we're we're going off plans, right? And if like you know, a contractor we went to a new construction inspection you're know, doing pre-drywall and they didn't give us any plans and like what would we think about that right
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
1: they're like oh they don't know what they're doing they don't like there's a lot of details that they're probably gonna miss because they don't have plans it's the same thing for you know one the biggest thing that really started growing my company is just the mindset of like where where i wanted to go and the numbers i wanted to hit. Um, and just start thinking in terms of that way. Cause there, I mean, there is that like law of attraction manifestation. It's just like, you, you have to think it before you could create it, right? So if you want to grow a big company, you have to think about what that company would look like and the details And the more you get into those details, they start coming to fruition and they start building off each other. Um, so you really, um, you know, just visioning and just saying like, you know, you, you, you sit down and you're like, I want to triple my revenue next year. Well, what does that look like? What does your team <laughs> look right. like? Who do you have to surround you like yourself? How are you gonna get that business? Um, how, you know, so like you want to do, let's say you did $300,000 in business this year. So tripling is 900,000. Um, so how do you get to those numbers? And really breaking it down, um, a lot of companies are like, "Oh yeah, I want a triple revenue," and then they stop at that.
0: Stop. <laughs>
1: they stop, and then you know it's just like you're you're you know you're chucking at the dartboard blindly. Um, you need to have very clear expectations, and even for me, like I, I realized I just need to get that much clearer. Um, so you know, starting from place, you know, it's all about getting clear about where you want to go. Um, and I think it also starts like why do you want to be triple the reference? Yeah, why? why, yeah. Why? Like some, you know, a solo inspector who is completely satisfied with doing solo inspections and maybe build a little team office, you know, so he's not dealing, he's just being able to concentrate. That's perfect, you know? I mean, you're happy, why, why do you want to grow anymore? Um, like for me, like the whole reason is I want to have an impact on people. I want people to come into work and realize that they matter. You know, I want them to first matter to themselves, you know, for from, for the work they're doing, but know that each and every employee comes into that door matters to me. And that's why I want to grow. I want to hold that vision where I am impacting every employee um, that comes through the door. And in turn, we're impacting our, our clients, our realtor partners and our community.
0: So let's give people some actionable uh, steps here for the ones that aren't, aren't always thinking this way. Cause I know, you know, we get lost in the day to day, the week to week, and then poof, you know, another month goes by or quarter. Uh, isn't the kind of IEB way of like, take one hour a month to start. Or like, you know, what did you, how did you start on this journey? What, what was your actionable steps of like, I took 30 minutes to think about my why or whatever.
1: Um, I mean, I think, I think a couple things is, yeah, I mean, for me, I probably if I were doing it all over again, I would do it differently. <laughs> I would first make sure I have everything written down. i like I'm mm. not i'm I'm not very good at like writing and and doing like doing my own visuals and and drawing stuff out like that. um. So I like I had a lot of stuff in my head. I just I just realized that, okay, this was the vision I had. I had very solidified in my head. So really getting solid on that. So whether it's like writing out, I mean, as simple as either writing out or at least coming up with, if someone asks you, what is your why? You should be able to spout out like that, right? right. Like one sentence. Like what is your why behind it? And then really getting... You know, crystal clear on okay, what is your mission behind the behind the co- uh, company? Which is which is your why? Was your vision for the company like where do you want to go? Do you want to be a, a five inspector company? Do you want to be a twenty inspector company? Do you want to be a thousand <laughs> inspector mm-hmm. company eventually down the line? Um, and really getting crystal clear about that. And then I would say the next biggest thing is take actions. Like take the actions to get to that step. Like one of my most nervous <laughs> things that like things I was most afraid of was just uh hire that first full-time guy next to me um because I'm like how am I going to support him right. and I did anyways I guess what I was able to support him because I had a vision that this was gonna work out and I was gonna and then realized once I hired him I had to take steps to support him and find him enough work.
0: Do you feel writing down and thinking about that vision helped give you the confidence to actually jump off the diving board and hire him?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think just focusing on where I wanted to be and the reasons why I needed that next person and what was really gonna open up for me. Because honestly, like as much as it was just hiring one inspector, that allowed me to do so much more with the business, right? and a lot of people look at people as expenses but people are investments and they're the best investments you're going to make mm. right hiring someone who is a great employee is going to make you is going to make you more money
0: hands <laughs> down 10x yeah. 100x sometimes
1: you know cuz that that person's going to represent you well they're going to fill in your gaps like we talked about earlier and you know, they're going to free up your time, right? Because if, if I if I didn't get some more free time, I, I didn't have that time to be a visionary and to think, okay, what's the next step? And how do we grow from here? And how do we, you know, how do we deal? Like, you know, there, there's so many other things we're, we're working on, like a concierge type program now and bringing that all in-house. And like, yeah. how do we really expand? Because our mission to our end clients is we want them to have a six-star experience. We just don't want them to come in and have a home inspection. We want to be there to support them through the whole real estate transaction and beyond. And beyond. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be a big part of our industry. Is like, you know, that's why there's so much, you know, porch and all these mm-hmm. big companies are, are buying us up. It just, um, you know, kind of reminds me, I forgot what the book, book was called, but talked about how target was using your artificial intelligence to actually um figure out based off shop- shopping patterns when someone was pregnant <laughs> I
0: ah think right actually, right i think I... they
1: actually got in trouble for that but the reason why they were doing that is because they realized that the the people who are their ideal clients are new parents because i think all parents out there realize like, okay, the first year or a couple of years, you're shopping at Target and you're not going to go to like the second or third store to to get discounts. I think you're, you're trying to go where the most one-stop shop, one-stop shop. So, so they started advertising. That's kind of what, you know, Porch and a lot of these other companies are doing. They realize that, you know, we are kind of, you know, like the, the pregnant women. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we are kind of you know yeah. because once people move into that new house they're going to spend a lot of money exactly. and my standpoint is like if they're going to spend money i want them to get the best service that they yes. can and i want them to have that convenience and i want them to be taken care of because just like you know pregnancy and being a new parent real estate transactions are probably one of the most stressful mm. you know times Up of their life yeah i mean i bought last year and it just reminded me tenfold how how stressed out you get just doing it but if we could go in there and allow people to you know relax breathe and really make the process easy for them um you know that's that's the vision that we hold for the company
0: i love that we have that we have a huge opportunity in front of us as an industry you guys were obviously you know really invested in wanting to build the tools to help you guys craft that experience for people and be take it further, take the experience and the relationship further. And I think there's lots of positive brand gains for all of us to be had along with benefiting the homeowner, making it, making their lives easier. That's the end goal. We have a lot of room to go (laughs) because it's fragmented as hell. There's confusion. They move in then they're lost again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if you could be that steady force that helps them along the way, I mean, you're, you're, you're also earning a client for life. (sighs) So,
0: And that's a whole nother conversation of like what that looks like, other companies that inspectors want to create pest control maintenance. I mean, there's so many ways where your guys' companies can
1: explode
0: over the next couple years.
1: The the amount of technology that's going to come out in the next 5, 10, 15 years is going to change a lot of things. There's, there's a lot of cool things coming and HVAC, electrical, um, smart homes you know that i mean we're, yeah. we're got, like you, you start seeing it and you know i laughed when the first you know alexa
0: <laughs> <laughs> same
1: amazon they came out i have four of them in my house <laughs> <laughs> all, all over uh, you know and and uh, it, you know it's convenient and that's what people are going to go and the other thing is the more and more technology comes out i feel like the less the less the homeowners actually know. Um, and there's going to be a bigger and bigger gap between that. And they're going to look for experts on that. Um, so there's a huge opportunity just to kind of capitalize. And, and, you know, so even if you're if you're a solo inspector, like, you know, like a lot of them will have their plumber, electrician, or someone that you're referring to, you need to start thinking about smart technology people that you're going to kind of refer and talk to. Um, and, and really, you know, um Work with for your clients because that's the stuff that they're gonna want you know eventually everything's gonna be like think about 20 years from now just how homes are gonna be completely different right um, and what's gonna be out there so
0: Oh, so much opportunity we this might be, have to be another episode topic uh, just for this because um, it's only scratching the surface and I, I encourage every inspector to at least read an hour a week or a month on these other things that homeowners are thinking about and doing because it is bleeding into our industry. It's no longer the sectioned off thing. You do the inspection and you're done. It can be, but I think the the evidence out there is telling us it's going to turn into something bigger and more.
1: Yeah. I think the typical home inspector mindset is just like, I, I'm there to kind of be that independent third party, you know, give them this and give them detailed report and that's all I'm allowed to do, and my my thing is like, if it's in service of the client, then why not, right? Right. So like, you're gonna send and like, you you're gonna give them refers to referrals to other companies, that you have no control over their quality, right? <laughs> you know, right. I mean, the the plumber that you know you've referred for two to three years. Maybe he's starting to hire, and he's not doing a good job. Right. You know, training, and because it could happen. Yeah, it could happen, um, and then you start getting negative feedback for the referral you're you're, you're getting too. Um, so, you know, coming with a customer first mindset and realizing that there's such an opportunity just to like, be this all star team for this this client and give them an experience where they're like, whoa what was so stressful about the real estate transaction? Because <laughs> everything was kind of taken care of for us. You know, they, yeah. they were able to introduce us to contractors or get their contractors out. You know, they, you know, they did pest control. They mowed our lawn for the, first, wow. <laughs> for the first time coming in. But they kind of
0: had you like know. a concierge, or like a, I guess a book of professionals that they hooked you up with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just, just keep, you know, keep going. Like they all need these services. And the thing is, you know people when they're going their their jobs are, don't get less demanding. They have all these other things that are taking time you know in in their life. Um, it's just like when they see, you know, hey, we'll take care of all this for you. You don't really have to think. it's just like that's that's what customer service is about. Yeah, it's really understanding what your client needs in the moment.
0: And I want to be clear to all inspectors, nothing worth having or any growth is never, it's never going to be risk-free. There's nothing ever risk-free in this world. Like When you said like, okay, yeah, the plumber you recommend could be busy and not call the client back. Yes. All these things can happen. But like, if we're all doing these things in good faith of trying to help the customer, if it makes you a few more dollars, if it increases your brand, helps you grow, I think we're all fine. It's not like we're peddling drugs out here, you know. It's not like we're selling, you know, selling cocaine to people. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's also the clients ask for this stuff. It's not. I mean, every they, day. They ask for it. They day. ask every for
0: all day, every day. Yeah.
1: And you know, if and I'll, if if you don't give it to them, someone else is going to it Someone else will. So if you come in with like, you know, we are going to take care of that client from booking the inspection until they're moved in and hopefully beyond that point, you know, like that that that's a great company. That's what establishes great companies versus, you know, average or very good companies. If you wanna be great, you have to think about how am I providing that exceptional experience where that person's a client for life and they're gonna start referring you. And that's really where you, you know, start building traction. It's when you provide exceptional experiences to people.
0: I love how you think about all this. Um, well, we got a couple minutes left. What do you want to dig into? I know, are, are there other personal growth things you wanted to... Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I've been, you know, one of the things, you know, for people who are, um, you know, inspired to grow their companies and, and you know, grow large companies, it's just, I think the biggest thing that gets misunderstood is like, you have to do a lot of personal work. Mm. You, you really have to get between your two ears and understand you. And that's, you know, that's kind of been my, you know, of all the company growth, that's been my biggest, um, concentration point over the last year and has been most rewarding. It's just like, you know, understanding who you are as a person and what your limiting beliefs are and, you know, also how to deal with your emotions. Um, you know, men don't, don't like to express emotions, but everyone has them, you mm-hmm. know, and you think if you're, you're afraid that makes you, you know, less than a man or, you know, less than a business owner. But I guarantee you, every business owner deals with fear on a daily basis. Every it's human, part of it. Every, every human, human. <laughs> Every human. you know, every human gets hurt. They get yeah. their, their feelings hurt. Yeah. Um, And really, know embrace and realize what you know the emotions are are kind of signals that are telling you something right um i honestly think if you're not scared to do something you probably shouldn't do it because it doesn't mean enough to you right you know if you if you're not getting emotional about you know i mean ultimately like when you get hurt by by someone it means that you you wanted something you know you want to connect or you wanted to to make a difference to that person. I think that's, you know, you're striving for stuff. So really getting, you know, control of that and then just realizing, you know, hey, like there's times where I just realized there's just this one event in my life that had just, you know, changed me. You know, how I looked at things too. Um, And like limiting belief that I wasn't good enough. Um, You know, and and ultimately too, just understanding where you came and all your hardships the beautiful thing is that that really inspires your vision too you know i i came up with the vision of you know and the mission to that i want people to feel like they matter because i didn't feel like i mattered very much when i grew up mm. you know i yeah. feel like I, I didn't get the attention that i wanted when i was growing up and i didn't feel like you know i contributed um a lot you know and that's that's hard for me to say yeah <laughs> you know it's very vulnerable you know to say say out loud, but understanding that, and that you know now I have the opportunity to make people feel like they matter every time they get go into work, you know, and do inspection, um, or take take a a call, um, you know that's that's really where the, the the great stuff comes out, is realizing that all the stuff that you struggled with in the past um, can be your mission. And it is an important reason uh is you know is important for getting to your why at the end of it um so i really want to encourage leaders just like don't just read about leadership books or business books or whatnot i mean dive in deep you know get like everyone has their different ways you know i've been doing this involved in this year-long program through the wright foundation in chicago um where i'm just it's it's three hours a week and some weekends and whatnot, but really digging into that stuff, you know, um, you will not grow as a leader if you don't grow as a person.
0: That's huge. Thank you, for, and I applaud you for sharing that. Every time someone in our industry or uh, you know shows vulnerability like that, I see them gaining. It that's that's there's power in that. Basically, most people yeah. think you're like leaving. A, a, a blind spot open. No, you just gained power by being vulnerable and look at your why it's so much more impactful. Your why for what you're doing. I love it.
1: And your people are going to see that too. Yeah. They'll see, they'll see, they'll see when you're, when you're being authentic. And if you are trying to hide parts of you, they're also going to see that.
0: They can feel it. We're intuitive beings and a leader with that kind of confidence to be vulnerable Is going to get way more people wanting to follow them than the ones that peacock and uh, and play the tough guy. Um, Yeah, one (laughs) hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I mean, you want to be honest. Sometimes it's also like sometimes you you do have to be tough. But if you come up from a toughness where, hey, I care a lot about you. I want the best for you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's like are you are you trying to hide something? Are you trying to hide part of you too? Because I mean that's another thing, like anger. Like I had a lot of limiting beliefs about anger, but there's there's good that comes out of it. I mean, just think about the motivating force and just be like, if you're not satisfied with, with your team's results, like you need to show that you're angry sometimes. You need to show that emotion. Because if you just keep it in all the time, you're you're they're like, no one's happy that It'll come out in the, It'll in
0: the wrong way. ways. It will yeah. come
1: out of the wrong ways too. But if you come out like you know, I'm angry with these results because I expect better from you guys. Because I know there's more from you guys. Yep. You know, versus just cussing everyone. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> how could you be that stupid? You know. Right. There is. There's ways to use all your emotions, um, and I think you know, um, emotional intelligence. Um, you know, is a big key phrase. Like you know, doing that because ultimately. You need to be able to be, you can only lead up to your level, right? So you're only going to be able to train and foster leaders underneath you if you're a step above. And guess what? As your business grows um, or anything you do in your life, you're going to need to keep raising the bar on your leadership and become a better and better leader. Um, I think Rob Lemoyne is always saying like, I'm not the leader I need to be yet. Yeah. So holding that vision for yourself um, and just and just really just like people are like just get so focused on the business stuff that the personal development and understanding who you are um, is going to give you the best gains.
0: Big, biggest ROI. I love that. Yeah. That's a great place to leave it. Working on yourself is working on your business. Is gonna have the biggest gains, and you're you're living proof of that. It's it's uh it's been amazing to see. This was good, man. This was good stuff. Thank you,
1: thank I, you. Yeah, I I always enjoy uh coming on and just just talking. I I mean I think that's you know what makes you guys different too. Just uh just what you and Mike do and really caring about the community. And you guys are owners and business owners and are trying to move the industry like like we are. Um, yeah. and you're in it with us. So it's you know you know i think a lot of people on here have <laughs> talked spectora up i'll I'll talk it up more and just like my my business wouldn't be where it is you know, with without you guys too i think that was also a big change in point where we're going cuz when i hired my first full full-time guy we like almost immediately switched to spectora and uh, you know we always get compliments from the realtors on the reports and just how uh, everything's but now everyone's using you guys so it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> no, now, now we have had. to find another competitive advantage, you know?
0: <laughs> you know what? We'll cook something up. There'll be something. There, yeah. There'll be something we can cook up, uh, a technological advantage.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and, you know, that's, that also comes with the vision. It's just like, okay, yeah. how you separate yourself from everyone, like, you know, using Spector will eventually be par for the course, you know? And but you a six-star that
0: experience that. will not. And that's the yes. beauty of your yes. vision is like, no one's going to copy that like in mass
1: yeah so how how do you really you know up your game and maybe it's not you know everyone does it a little bit differently but how you know what sets you apart you love know? it
0: all right tim so much wisdom as always man i appreciate you taking time and uh, i'm sure we'll do this again brother
1: all right i'll see you next year <laughs> all right yep talk to you soon Take right, care. Thanks, Kevin.
0: bye